We are SC Podcast. Gary Pasquitz joined by Daryl Rideau for the Sunday Morning Cornerback Edition. And uh, Daryl, we're here to review what happened last night uh, in USC versus Texas, 27-24, to 24, a double overtime win for the Trojans. And there's a lot of good we're going to talk about. And then we're going to talk about uh, the, the fact that for most of the football game, it wasn't a very well-executed game on either side. But boy, you're coming out of that game exhausted. You're coming out of that game satisfied. And there's a big smile on the face today. Right. And, you know, and oftentimes whenever there's a lot of hype and build up to a game, regardless of what the players tell you when they give you coach speak and they give you the politically correct answers, the fact of the matter is there's a lot of emotion that goes into a game of this type of build up that, you know, was basically deemed as the redemption game from the 2005-2006 season of which USC played Texas in the Rose Bowl in 2006 in January. Now, what I took from it was, especially early in the game, I thought emotions got the best of these Trojans. Wanting to really go out and just deliver that first blow, I thought that they did some things that were somewhat out of character, Un- uh, very uncharacteristic of a team of this uh, of this stature to go, you know, to attempt to convert on fourth downs when obviously the math might have told you otherwise, rather to punt or to attempt field goal opportunities. But nonetheless, I thought that USC effectively was able to drive on uh, the Longhorns. However, when it came to executing on fourth down, I think they missed the mark. Let me ask you this question, and one of the football strategies that you hear a lot is if there are no points on the board and you get the opportunity to be the first one, you go ahead and do it. SC had a fourth and one, um, at, you know, basically at the goal line to, to get into the end zone. And, boy, yeah, a lot of the times you are going to score on that play. SC went for it, didn't get it, but that was a chance to get points on the board. What are your thoughts on that? I always think that when you have an opportunity to put points on the board, you seize that moment because what it does is it, it takes the pressure off of your whole team, knowing that you, you've now erased a zero uh, on the scoreboard. But I also think that in a game like this, when Clay Helton might have felt as though his defense clearly had the advantage early on in the game versus the Longhorns, behind Ellinger, the uh, the quarterback, who appeared to struggle to really find his rhythm, I think that those chances were somewhat calculated because of the mm-hmm. confidence in how the defense was playing. But nonetheless, you know, the narrative changes ever so slightly if you get on the board and you seize the moment on some of those uh, the first six possessions. Right, and, and, and Clay Helton did say afterwards, hey, this is a team that came in averaging 48 points a game. Uh, with Tom Herman, who's known for being a good offensive coach. He goes, I, I thought we were going to need touchdowns. Um, and so there was a thought process that went into it. But obviously that one doesn't work, and that was the second possession of the game. And then you look through that first half, Daryl, uh, right up until the very end, it was kind of a case of just kind of filling holes in the dice for the Trojans. You know, right. you, you weren't really getting the running game going. There was drop passes. There was a drop pass by Deontay Burnett. When he's dropping a pass – you know you got something going on. Um, and then right there at the end of the half, uh, th- th- there's the pick six. Now you can question, why, you know, why is SC throwing in that situation? You're down in your own end. There's less than a minute to go in the half. But they threw it. The ball went through Jalen Green's hands, and it was a pick six. But then you got to love the way they responded with the, the hail Rojo on that play. Right. You know, and, and if, you're, if you're a coach, 
you love these teachable moments because of how your team did respond, but make no mistake about it. In hindsight, you know, uh, throwing across the middle of the field is a very low percentage in, in terms of success, greater percentage of the defense causing some type of disruption. But as you, as you indicated, you know, knowing that that occurred, and to watch the way that this team did not blink once again, and they were able to respond, I thought kind of set up uh, with a preload to what was, what was to occur at the end of the game. It, it might have given them a sense of confidence that regardless of what the score might be, as long as there's time on the clock and they have an extra play to go, that they felt like they can get into the end zone at any given time. And, and so – I've never seen a play like that. I got to be honest with you. You know, a, a check down that that converts into a touchdown when most teams practice, Gary. They they practice um, for that type of play to take away hail marys and to to virtually tackle inbounds to you know eliminate the the opportunity of a runner advancing to score. So poor defensive effort by the Longhorns and just a great valid effort from Ronald Ronald Jones um, and uh, was it Lewis? Uh, Stephen Mitchell. Stephen Mitchell, I'm sorry. Mitchell, who delivered a phenomenal block. That 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 he did. That he did. Let me ask you just about the drop passes. This is yeah. kind of the second game so far this season that they've raised their head a little. Is it uh is it, hey, these things happen, or is there something that you've seen can be worked on? <laughs> these guys catch the ball. That's what they do. Well, I look at it That's twofold. why they're at USC. <laughs> That's why they're, yeah. Uh, I look at it twofold. First and foremost, this team is predicated off of establishing a power running game and getting one-on-one matchups. Uh, a lot of the receivers, when I say they're young, they're, they're, some of them may not be young in terms of tenure at USC, but in terms mm-hmm. of experience and chemistry with Darnold. They're getting, because they are unproven, oftentimes they're getting a lot of man-to-man coverage. And whenever you hit a receiver and you throw him off of his, his timing, they tend to have to learn to get physical and adjust. And what I noticed was, they weren't they did the timing of the routes were not in sync and a lot of that i had you have to give credit to the longhorns and how they came in with a defensive mindset to really um force darnold to beat them across the middle mm-hmm. now what you don't want to see is receivers within reach you know flexing their hands out which allows for tip balls um, Darnold throws a very strong pass. Many would attribute the, the way that he throws passes the same way that maybe a Brett Favre might have thrown early in his career. That ball mm-hmm. comes – it comes with heat. And so if you're not prepared and your hands and your body's not in the right position, you know, there is that opportunity to miss. But make no mistake about it. You know, um, some of those passes, the receivers would tell you if they had another opportunity, they, they'd love, you know, to maybe squeeze a little bit harder to make sure that they secure the ball in. Uh, but I thought that those drop passes also attributed to the lack of rhythm that the offense showed in the first half. And, and, and let's go to the second part of that with the run game. Boy, for a team that ran so well last week, and, and I'm, I'm going to give so much credit to the Texas defense. That, that, that's a good defense on the other side of the ball. That guy, number 46, Malik Jefferson, that young man is a football player. Um, oh, absolutely. But absolutely. we were not able to get the running game going. So what, what, what would you attribute that to? What did you see last night? 
You know, um, back in my days, I had an opportunity to speak with uh, former offensive coordinator Norm Chow, and he would often say that a short passing game uh, sets up the run. The run sets up the deep ball. But in a game like this, when clearly going into it, the weakness of Texas defense demonstrated that it was a secondary. I might have had Darnold, whether he connected or not, take a few shots early on go routes up the sideline to weaken and soften up the uh, the the, um, the the defenders inside of the box to force them to have to honor the fact that there are deep threats outside of uh, of the numbers. Then come back and try to attack the interior part of the defense. But this defense was adamant they were not going to allow for USC to rack up 300, point, uh, 300 yards plus on them the way that they were able to do so efficiently against Stanford. That's a pride game. I thought that for too long we committed to trying to force the ball into the interior. Now, if you're going to force the ball into the interior, you may want to put like a linebacker or an extra blocker in the box so that you can create that second level. Uh, but with the way that USC plays with three receivers primarily uh, for the majority of the time, it puts a lot of pressure on the running back to make one guy miss. And Texas was very stout interior. Uh, they had a very stout interior. And uh, mm -hmm. once again, you know, it comes to adjusting on the run. Um, and I thought that USC was able to figure it out later, getting just enough. But mm -hmm. they may have committed too much early on to trying to force the ball up the middle when the matchups might have been outside. Right. Yeah. We we, we talked about that uh, the secondary protection is that the, and at the end of the game, Sam for the majority of the game he made the plays at the end wonderfully. But I don't think right. anyone would say this was his best game overall. And yet he still ended up with basically 400 yards passing, um, but, but, but which, which me, is a Gary, big number. You, you know, when you look at uh, Sam. It's very hard because he's cut from a different cloth. He's not oh. one who's always going to be efficient, but he just figures out ways to win a game. You know. Oh, and isn't, isn't this game the best brawlers. example of that? Yeah. Yes, he's a street brawler, and that's the way I think of him. And because of that, that's why he's able to shrug off mistakes because he's like, look, I'm playing with house money and fool's gold right now. I didn't come in the USC deem to be the starter, okay, you know, mm -hmm. um, but I won the job. And he not only did he win the job, but he won the hearts of all SC fans. So we tend to give him the benefit of the doubt based on the way that he plays. And, yeah, would we like to see the offense more efficient and more crisp? Absolutely. But to be honest with you, he tends to adjust to um, the tempo of a game in the competition. If it requires him to get dirty and in the trenches, he'll do whatever is necessary. And that's the things that I've taken away from him, especially during the first three games of the season. Well, when you talk about the word street brawler, and, and again, last night was a great example of that for Sam Darnold. I agree with you 100%, and it's amazing. We've talked about it before. Uh, the man who was sitting in the end zone working for Fox Sports, Matt Leinert, just how similar Sam and Matt are in that regard. The calm, cool Orange County guy on the surface, but you, you know, you, you've been on the field with Matt. The way that those two guys are wired in terms of their competitive fire, there is so much similarity. There, there truly is, and I thought there were times during this game, especially uh, to end the first half and to to um, put USC in a position to tie the game at the end of it, I thought that Sam Darnold channeled his inner Matt Leinart, the way that mm -hmm. he sees command of the huddle and methodically just uh, marched down the field and did what 
he felt was necessary to either score a touchdown in the end of the first half or put the team in position to at least tie, if not go ahead. And and their DNA in that regard is wired very similar. As long as there's a tick on the clock, they don't know anything different but to keep attacking and keep charging. And and that DNA tends to resonate. And I think that if you're a Matt Leinart having discussions pregame with uh, Sam Darnold, you welcome the opportunity to pass on that torch to finish what you started. And I thought that Darnold in this offense, it was eerily similar, Gary, to the emotions that I felt uh, in that 2006 national title game when Vince Young was on the other side. And as close as one can get to reenacting those emotions, granted that other game was for higher stakes, the way that USC responded offensively and defensively was one that we will always remember very similar to the Bush push or fourth and nine, those moments that we go back to during the Matt Leinart era against Notre Dame or against Texas. It was one of those type of iconic moments, not the great greatest game I've ever seen, but the finish was exceptional. I, I, Chris Carlisle always says you talk about Matt always attacking. Chris Carlisle always points to look what happened after Vince Young scored that final touchdown. All our guys knew was to get the ball, and they got it to midfield. They just ran out of time. And that's what, Sam, that's what Sam did after that last touchdown pass. Had a little bit more time, but you, you, you said just do whatever you have to do. That jump pass, Daryl, to Stephen Carr. Yeah, doing what you have to do. Doing what exactly that improvisation, uh, you you know, and that's something that you don't script. But this kid is just wired. Like I said, when I say he's wired differently, his DNA is to compete, and for him to jump that jump pass just enough to create the angle he needed, and the trust that he has in a true freshman in Stephen Carr. Awesome. In that moment. Mm-hmm. Can, can, I, I can't think of many other times when, when the game is on the line or, or it's a critical moment, you're trusting a true freshman who hadn't been in those situations but have shown you enough to earn that confidence and earn that respect. And, you know, you talk about being uh, um, cool, calm, and collected. Uh, both of those guys, like I said, are, are just truly phenomenal players who are, who are going to leave a legacy at USC before it's all said and done. So he gets the ball to Carr, then he gets the ball to Mitchell, and Mitchell messes around there a little bit at the sideline, and we were wondering if he got out of bounds, but he did, and it allowed for time. We've talked a lot of offensive guys right now, Daryl. I want to talk some defensive guys in the second half, and yeah. what, may, what makes some of these guys talk about in the second half is something that happened in the first half. We knew Porter Gustin came into the game banked, banged up. He had surgery on Wednesday. Is he even going to play? He gave everything he had in that first half, and it wasn't a ton of plays, but those two back-to-back sacks, Daryl, when you yeah. knew that he was hurting and you knew that he was just banged up, to me, that gave so much to the team. You talk about a guy taking one for the team, boy, yep. Porter Gustin, good on you last night. Right, and there was a lot of talk and speculation of whether or not he was going to be even able to suit up. So for, mm-hmm. for him to lay it all out on the football field, and I'm not certain of, of whether or not we understand you know, what his health conditions are moving forward, but in a game when you needed your leaders to step up and make sacrifices, he laid it out. It was the, I thought it was the first sack that, that really set the tone, and then he comes back and, and really puts um, – the Longhorns offensive line on skates. And if my memory serves me correctly, there were three sacks 
There was three, um, and it was it was Rector got the third one. And it was Rector who got the third one. But but Which, it was those <laughs> we'll uh, talk about heroic, him next. <laughs> those, those efforts right there, exactly that I thought set the tone um, for a game of this magnitude. I, I agree. You're, you're, you're going to put him on three straight sacks. That was good. So, okay, so Gustin goes out. He comes back out in the second half uh, in street clothes. He, he's done for the day. Right. We knew we were going to see more of Christian Rector. We also saw Olawole Batuku and Connor Murphy. Um, and not that either of those two young men did a lot, but I thought they took a step forward, and they were a step away on some plays. They will get there. But Rector, he's been a veteran guy. You talk about guys who may not have seen a ton of time. He's never really started, but he's gradually earned more playing time. Right. But Daryl. You look at the game this young man had six, you know, six tackles. Like, like you say, you know, he, he got you know a fumble recovery early. He got that yep. sack right there, and then of course the strip uh, at, at the end um, on, on Ellinger at the goal line. That was just a magical play. But you talk about a guy who gets gets his call and makes yep. the most of it. Yes, and you know, and, and there's always the talk of the next man up. You know, and you try to visualize these opportunities, but to seize the moment the way that Rector did, I, I can't be more proud of the fact that some guys would just settle for making the tackle. But that extra effort to seal the game, like I said, I, I go back to the 2006 game when USC's defense was in a position to stop Vince Young, and we failed to do so. You reenact this situation, and the defense comes up big when you need it most. And for me, it just kind of it, – it just brought closure to to 10 to 11 years of agony. Uh, and granted, like you said, you can never replicate the the magnitude of a game like that. But the, the, the feeling that I felt watching Rector, I felt um, make that play – felt like it vindicated a lot of the defensive players uh, from the game past, and I couldn't be more prouder of him etching his own mark, you know, in 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 the history books at USC because this is one of those games that all fans will remember. And, and I think it all changed and became a game like that when Texas came and took the lead at the very end. Right. Um, it, it only because that drive looks so familiar. Uh oh. Yep. We we know this. You know, Vince Young. I, I was I was on the Texas sideline at that point over near the tunnel end, and Vince Young was down the way, just kind of making sure he doesn't go back in the game. No, you don't get to go back in this one. But Ellinger did his best impression, and it just felt. And all of a sudden, you know, there was plenty of Texas fans there, and they were making some noise, and just so many Trojan fans that we've seen on the message boards. You and I talked about it last night. Just that sinking feeling. We've been here before, and we didn't like it. This isn't good right now. And so that brought back all those emotions. And they take the lead, and then for SC to come back like that, like you say, that, that's what it didn't exercise the demons, but it exercised a few of them. <laughs> it really did. Absolutely. Just because of the way it happened. And, it, and again, it was just great to see the, the atmosphere and the Trojans show up. And even when USC goes down, no one really in my section at least left. Maybe a few people mm -hmm. straggled out to, to the aisles. But there was an inner belief, a little sense of, you know, um, stoic feeling. But because of the way that USC has responded uh, in very, you know, in, in the Rose Bowl, I think that there was a belief that Magic was still left on the field. Magic still left in number 14 is what it did. There's yeah. no doubt about that. Uh, let's end this thing talking about uh, Mr. Chase McGrath. 
Oh yeah. Six okay. months ago, he's on a high school campus. You know, you got Matt Boardmeister as a Rose Bowl hero. You, you, they have another guy, a Michael Brown. If you're Chase McGrath, you're, you know, what, could you have imagined in six months I'm going to be at SC kicking a game-winning field goal against Texas? My goodness. No, you're a walk-on to play in, the, in in a game with this kind of build-up and this kind of hype. And not only do you make the game winning, but clutch to tie the game. You know, when there's yeah. a lot of pressure on you and eyes turning to you. After you missed your first your first field goal attempt earlier in the game, your and first you one as a college exactly. kid. Exactly. You know, but but for him to have the the mental fortitude to come back and just know that that he's prepared his whole football career for an opportunity to play at this level, and man, was he clutch when they needed it most. And he might have silenced a lot of critics um, or or demons within within the practice field of whether sure. or not they found someone that they can trust in big, big game situations. And I think he summoned and he answered those calls. And, and boy, when when they needed it most, and they lined up. The confidence that the coaching staff, um, you know, ensued in him was one that just, I think, it matriculated throughout the Coliseum after he made those two clutch kicks. Yeah, that, that was incredible. So now uh, now we match up with them again next year for the, the, the third game in the trilogy, if you will. And I'm going to say this, Daryl. I said the last two games we played with them. USC and Texas. Okay, the, those were two terrific football games. Texas. Yep. Those, there were some athletes on the other side of that football oh, field. Studs, 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 and you know, and that that, that safety, you know, came up with two t- uh, interceptions. Mm-hmm. I, I, I thought he played big. He really did. But but here's what I want to end with, Gary. After two big emotional games, on recover emotionally and prepare for a very dangerous cow team. You know, right. I haven't begun to start, you know, digging into what Cal possesses, but make no mistake about it. It is very difficult to get up to these challenges. But if there's any team that I believe has a, the, the mental toughness to do so, it's this group right here. They are sure, certainly showing that so far. And I'll say this, uh, whatever USC fans' opinion may be of Justin Wilcox from his time here, he he certainly appears to have the Bears playing some some better football right now through through a couple games in the early part of the season. Right, you know, and it's always it, it, it's always very dangerous to go up against someone who feels like he was slighted on his way out the door. So I, I expect USC to rise to the challenge and recognize the the foe that's on the other side. And, and I don't know how you you know how you cannot think that way after what this team has done through the first three games. What, what was, was it smooth? Was it always easy? No. But those were three, three games in and of themselves that presented solid challenges every step along the way. And so to be sitting here right now at 3-0, uh, right. very satisfying right now for this Trojan team. So for Daryl Overdo, this is Gary Pasquitz. You're listening to the Sunday Morning Podcast on We Are SC.